Welcome to Angels, Exits, and Acquisitions, the place to learn how to fund, scale, exit, and massively profit as an angel investor or entrepreneur. Brought to you by the Angel Investors Network. And now, here's your host, Jeff Barnes. Hey there, this is Jeff Barnes, and I want to thank you again for listening to the Angels, Exits, and Acquisitions podcast. And today's guest is an absolute gem of a person, just an incredible man, Um, Alex Stern started Constant Contact. And if you're a small business owner or you ever invest in small businesses, you understand the importance of a customer relationship management tool. Constant Contact was one of the first ones that was developed specifically for startups and small mid-sized enterprises that were looking to scale and interact more with their, their customers. And Alec had this vision with his team. And you'll learn a lot about the, the right kind of co-founding partnerships that you need to look for when investing in a startup or what you need to have on your team if you are starting a company. And Alec is America's startup expert. So I'm really excited about this because he took constant contact from an idea in the attic, not the basement this time, to over a $1.1 billion exit that allowed him to go on and work on a number of other startups and become an investor and a venture partner and a fund and just some incredible gems, not to mention a way to get access to some of Alex's great information towards the end. So listen for that and look for that. And if you haven't read them already, go back to the show notes and read through the incredible give that Alec has given us. But without spending too much time on this brief intro, I just want to go ahead and let you dive right into this incredible interview with Alex Stern. Thank you again for listening. All right. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Barnes with Angel Investors Network, and this is the Angels Exits and Acquisitions podcast. And today we have a very special guest. But before we get started with that, Iraq, how are you doing today? Good, my friend. How are you? Excited to have an amazing, amazing entrepreneur on today's episode. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this one as well, because he has done something for a lot of digital marketers, entrepreneurs, startups, pretty much anyone in the small business SMB space when it comes to helping them grow their businesses through uh, unique customer experience and customer interaction. So let's just go ahead and introduce Mr. Alex Stern. Alec is an entrepreneur, speaker, mentor, and investor. He has become known as America's startup success expert for performing hundreds of keynote speeches worldwide and for his popular sessions at top conferences like Secret Knock, CEO Space International, City Summit, Power Team International, and Habitude Warrior. He's been a co-founder or founding member of eight startups with five exits, two IPOs, and three acquisitions, which is pretty incredible track record for any entrepreneur. As a primary member of Constant Contact's founding team, Alec was one of the original three who started the company in an attic. Great entrepreneurial startup story. Alec was with the company for 18 years from startup to IPO to a $1.1 billion acquisition. Alec was selected to the Influence 100 Authority list by Influence Magazine. In 2020, he was a two-time Visionary Award winner at top conferences, for success as an entrepreneur and for his work helping startups and entrepreneurs. Alec, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that, that intro. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's great to have you on here. And you know, I love talking with entrepreneurs who have gone through what, what I call the life cycle of the entrepreneur. We, we try to talk about going from uh, startup and idea stage to growing a business and becoming successful or running a business. Very few actually make it all the way to the IPO, but then if you're successful in that whole endeavor, you can then give back to the next and the next line of entrepreneurs out there. So I really commend you for making that leap and becoming, you know, the startup success expert there. Really happy to have you here. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it, it all uh, sort of stems back to when I, 
I would speak at conferences for years uh, on thought leadership and best practices. And, and I, I attended a lot of conferences and I always wanted to, after someone spoke to go up to them and just say, thank them or give them a card or say, Hey, I think we can do business together. Can we grab coffee? And, you know, they typically, their handlers would like uh, block you or they get whisked away or jump into their limos to go off and, uh, and not be present. And I always said that if I ever had a chance to attend a conference and that someone asked me to speak at, I would, I would be their first one, their last one to leave and be present and, uh, and make myself available. And, and that's, you know, the, the, the magic happens, you know, I could talk on stage and, and empower people with my message, but it happens when you're, when you get a chance to meet folks and, and they, you know, in, in the setting of the one-on-one or a small group to be able to ask very, the tough questions, or if they're not comfortable in public to, to, you know, to just, just be able to, you know, kind of get some time with you. And so I've been doing that and, uh, and just, you know, I'm great, grateful for now sort of getting rewarded with the awards and so forth for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a chance to meet you down at the city summit earlier this year. We had a great time and had a chance to grab a drink afterwards and, and chat and catch up. And so, um, you know, just great, but I, I'm curious, how did you get started as an entrepreneur? Because I don't think that you have the traditional roadmap to entrepreneurship that maybe a lot of people out there might. Sure. Yeah. So growing up, we, you know, we were provided for, uh, but, but if there were some things that, that I wanted, oftentimes it was, you know, go make some money and, and buy it yourself, you know? And so, so I started as an entrepreneur probably around eight or so. Uh, you know, I, I owned the neighborhood for shoveling snow, uh, cutting lawns and detailing cars for the most part. And then I started hiring in younger kids as I was, I think I was 10, I was hiring the eight year olds to help, help do jobs with me. And I pay them, you know, a portion of what I got. And, um, and so you, you took the Tom Sawyer model then essentially. I, I did. I did. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did, did follow that model. And so it allowed me to raise sort of the money. And the, the one thing I'd asked for, for several, you know, uh, Christmases was, uh, you know, can I get a, get a moped? And the answer was no from my mom always. Uh, and so I raised up a lot of money and my dad traveled a lot for business. He wasn't usually around the home. And when he came back on a trip, we went to, a, you know, went to a diner to have, you know, a meal and catch up. And I said, Hey, can we go look at mopeds? And he's like, yeah, we're not, we can't afford that. And we're not going to buy that for you. And I said, I have the money. Yeah, I had like $650 in my pocket <laughs> from all the work I did. So we went to the store, I bought the moped and of course, driving all over, showing it to all my friends. A couple hours later, I drive by my house, my mother's standing on the front porch, you know, with the arms crossed and then doing this, like, come, you know, and I'm beeping and waving and went by a few times and finally I'm like, had to face the music. So I pulled in and she put a lock on it and refused to let me drive it. And I had to return it. I'm like, you can't return it. It's used. And of course, you know, she, she's going to get hurt on this. And don't, you know, two days later, I went over the handlebars and got all cut up and smashed the front of it. And, you know, of course I have to go back to her and tell her she was right. Right. That's the worst part of the You'll story. You'll yeah. your eye out. <laughs> That's right. It's always funny until someone loses an eye. Yeah. So, but anyway. yeah, so it started that back, back in the early days. And then when I got out of college, uh, you know, I went into big business uh, as, you know, in sales and business development. First job out was a company with 800 salespeople and, you know, some unique experiences there. But somebody that was several layers above was the head of worldwide sales and was leaving to go to a small company that a few other people from this company went to. And he said, you want to come with me? You know, it's small. I'm not sure, you know, in a year if I can pay you. Uh, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're, you know, we're startup, but, but, you know, it has, you know, good upside on the back end and we're, we're there's some confidence in what we're doing. And I didn't take the job initially, uh, but shortly thereafter I, I jumped in and I was in the first, you know, I don't know, 10 to 15 people. 
And then five years later to the day we went public and I'm like, this piece of paper is worth what? <laughs> so I kind of grasped the concept quickly and I took uh, six months off and bought my dream home with it. And, and that sort of gave me a little bit of the bug and, and I just wanted to keep going at it and go earlier and earlier and earlier. And so had a few startups before constant contact and a couple of acquisitions early on, you know, it was at the time when people were buying either the development team or acquiring the development team and wanting the idea or buying, buying the solution early to plug it into something they had. So we had a couple of quick hits. Uh, and then of course, then went, you know, and met the original guy with the idea of a technology you know, that's starting constant contact. And there were three of us originally in that attic um, when we started and, uh, I was the only one on the business side and they were on the technical side, but, but we all sort of had this vision to, you know, to, to help level the playing field for small businesses against big competitors. And both uh, Randy and I had done a lot of work with small businesses prior with, for me, three companies, but nothing on the front end, business side, marketing side. And so, you know, we, there was nothing out there for small business. Uh, and we just, you know, the original premise was to give an easy to use self-service uh, tool where they, all they had to do is know who they want to send it to, what did they want to say, and when do they want to send it, and make sure everything was sort of handled for them, knowing they didn't have technology and, and, and resources and help. Like the enterprise uh, competitors had enterprise tools, they had you know, agencies, they had you know, resources to help them, and no one on Main Street had that. So you're back in the attic, all right? There's the three of you, and you're putting together, the, like, the vision of where this is going to go. And then did you guys collectively as a, as the leadership of that, of constant contact decide that, Hey, we're going to bootstrap this for as long as we can before we start raising capital. Or did you guys put together like this crafty business plan and we're like, Hey, we're going to, you know, do some formal capital raises. Like how did you kind of take the idea from the napkin, if you will, the napkin idea. And then what was kind of like that journey to actually breaking ground and deployment? Sure. Yeah. So when we started, there were we had, there were a lot of things we didn't have, and there were many more than we we did. We didn't have a finished business plan. We had an executive summary. We didn't have a finished product. Uh, we didn't have any customers testimonials. We didn't have any employees. We didn't have any revenue. We didn't have any um, investment. So we all weren't taking salaries. Not a great idea, though, huh? No, but we listen. We had a vision, you know, and a, we had a passion and a vision for what what and we do in our target market told us, you know, that when we went out and asked them, what, what are you looking for? What would, what goals and objectives are you trying to reach from what you do today? And they'd say things like, you know, I'd want to stay top of mind. I want, I want to stay top of mind to my current customers. I want to drive my current customers back in. I want more revenue. I want new customers. And, you know, and so as we just told them what we were working on and thought, thought, you know, what our idea was, they validated and got wide eyed when, if we could provide something that, you know, you're either going to, um, cut expense, you're going to cut time, or you're going to increase revenue. So if we could help them increase revenue and increase, you know, customer retention and nurture current customers, if we were able to do that, you know, as a small business and make it really easy, really inexpensive, is that something you would want? And the answer was always yes. So while we didn't have all those other things, we were driven and had the passion to help small businesses with with this digital marketing uh, suite because, because they told us that we could help them. And so so initially, we didn't have anything. Uh, we weren't taking salaries. My mother, you know, you know, she weaves into these stories often, but was like, "You have three mortgages, and you're telling me you took you're taking a job where you're ha- where you're not gonna get a salary. You are going to go bankrupt." So 
that was ringing in my ear on a daily basis. Uh, but the bottom line was um, we started with we started with nothing and we started soft circling. We had uh, sort of four angel investors that were interested in it. We started with one, moved to two, moved to four that that, that had a relationship together. Uh, I also pitched it. You know, um, oftentimes when you go into pitch on the venture side, uh, if you had you know want to get in with a warm intro to somebody, uh, and there was somebody I actually knew you know back back when I was in college who had a venture fund, and I set it up to say I just want to come in and pitch an idea to you and get feedback. Like I didn't, I wasn't positioning that we're looking to raise money because we didn't have all the supporting things. Well, you know, give us the, give us the, uh, you know, the, the five-year projections and the full business plan and the this and that. We didn't have that. We had an executive summary and started to throw together some of our projections, but I wanted to just, just do the pitch and get feedback. And, um, and so, so the end result of, of sort of the back and forth got, got some great feedback, loved what we were doing. In fact, he wanted me to join the firm after the last exit that I had to, to come in as a partner in the firm. And I wanted to go even earlier. Like I, I kept saying, I want to go to one where we start with PowerPoint. You know, we don't have a product, we don't, you know, we have a vision, but you know, and so, so the end, and the end of the story within, within about probably 18, 19 months, I think we, we did our first raise of 2.4 million, which included the, those four key angels Plus, plus this the venture firm. So, what would you what would you give advice to, to a, a startup now, right? Because there's a plethora of tech startups in the, in the world right now, um, and all looking probably for the most part to to try to raise capital. And you talk about lack of assets, lack of like <laughs> a prepare, not to say preparedness, but like a lack of resources to really be able to grow. What would your advice be to someone who's kind of sitting in your shoes today? And what did you feel like helped you win that investment round? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that sort of play into that. Um, you know, the, the first thing was we did go out and get, get, get some initial customer. We got the customer feedback. You know, we, you know everything is, was not predicated on our feeling. Well, we, we've worked with small businesses before. My mom was a small business. I know small businesses. It was really going out and saying, what are today's small businesses? What are they driving toward? What do they want? And how can we help them? And so, so, so going and doing that helped a lot. You know, we did go around and you know talk to a lot of people about uh, you know, investments, loans, everything, and and we got a lot of no's. You know, I mean, I lost count of the no's, but but the passion that we had, knowing we're onto something to help those small businesses, kept us going. And and so so so, you know, you you have to you know eventually we we got there where we put together all the sort of the 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 package of things that, that people wanted. But we did have, we had a great you know, presentation. We were able to tell a great story. We we're able to put ourselves in the shoes of our target customer and what they want and desire and how we're going to achieve and help them. We got initial sort of, you know, four, you know, starting to, to work with a product that kept breaking. And, and, you know, and, and, and by the way, when you go get those initial customers, don't go to family. Don't go to friends. Don't go to people you know. Don't go to people you bought from before. In the case of a small business, go to ones you don't know because you're going to get brutal, honest feedback. And we did. <laughs> it was brutal, but but we you know we were we we knew we were onto something because they were getting wide-eyed even in the earliest days. But but we had to you know keep advancing and, and adding in um, you know some of the things to make it you know uh, frictionless and and to work to work well and also have the features that would let them meet their sort of the goals and objectives to stay top of mind and the other things I mentioned. And so um, I would just say, 
you've, you know, anything that you can validate what you're doing, don't be in stealth mode and, you know, work, work in a vacuum and be afraid to share the idea. You, you need to get feedback to move forward. And so we were, we had our, the, the conviction and the, the passion that we, this will succeed. All it will take us is for money and to stand and, and, and the support for us to, to get that flywheel going. We needed more engineers. You know, we needed, we needed, you know, more equipment to, for them to work through work on. And we, you know, we, we uh, certainly needed to start to build out, you know, some of the, some of the assets around that for, for marketing and so forth. But the, the priority was to just make sure we, we, could could demonstrate could demonstrate what it is that we were trying to achieve and and that in fact our target market wanted it. I love that. So you know, I mean, you, you have a lot of great nuggets in there. And one of the things uh, we're definitely of similar mind is don't be scared to share your idea. Right. So many people. Um, you know, I was doing corporate innovation and you know big company technology all the way down to you know Silicon Valley tech companies, and everybody's just terrified that somebody's going to steal their idea and run off with it. And what I think a lot of people fail to realize, even on the investor side as well, is that the idea is still, I mean, even if it's a billion dollar idea, until you execute, it's still the dime a dozen model, right? You know, the, the ideas are all out there. I mean, how many times have you had the idea where you're like, hey, you know what? I thought about that 10 years ago, but you didn't invent it, did you? So you know, we all have those stories. So I absolutely love that. Now, you said something earlier, Alec, about you came in as the business guy and you had the techie guys that worked on on this and, and were helping you grow it. How important do you, you feel it is to have that balance as a startup going out there to try and raise capital, to try and find customers, to try and build a business? Yeah, I think it's real important. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sort of wearing a bunch of hats because I I've you know co-founded the, the those eight. I'm currently a co-founder of five things on top of what you mentioned, and um, and so uh, you know we all need to stay in our lane. That's the first thing. And so I've met so many co-founders because, uh, and I should just finish. I'm I'm also an I've angel invested in some things, and I'm also a limited partner in a venture fund for tech investments on the East Coast here called uh, G G20 Ventures. So I'm wearing a bunch of different hats when I'm sort of answering some of these things. But uh, the bottom line is that. Uh, uh, like a solo solo founder doesn't doesn't work. You know that they, they're going to want to see anyone's going to want to see that there's more than one person that has the responsibility of this company on their forehead. And so uh, so so there's got to be you know more than one. Uh, no one can do everything. And while there were two other people on the tech side, they, they uh, you know um, Randy and uh, Margaret, they were they were very strong and could have the conversation around business and any topic. It wasn't you know sort of these. You know, the, the you know kind of the 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 meme of the engineer that's just sitting there coding away and uh, doesn't want to talk to anybody. Randy could cut, carry the best business conversation and and was a bright mind on every topic. And so so the the bottom line was uh, in staying in your lane. It's like okay, that may be said. Uh, you can't have someone who said, "Well, I'm an engineer." And I'll, I, I had one today tell me, "Well, I'm going to go learn the marketing tools and I'm going to learn the stuff that I would need to to market my business." Um, you know, and I'm like, why would you spend time on that when you could be coding and, and, and finishing off the product, stay in your lane, like pay somebody, think of your time value of money. And also someone's going to look at you one day when you go to get funding and they'll say, well, so you spent a hundred hours learning all the marketing tools versus working on your product or finding someone else to partner with or bring them in, you know, as a, a potentially a co-founder or, or somebody who's going to take in some equity to work with you. And, and I would just say, you've got to, you've got to, 
Yeah, stay, stay, stay as best as you can in your lane and then find ways to bring in others because people invest in, in the founder, but more, more importantly, co-founders and the team. And so you've got to start to think about that as early as possible. And I run into so many who are, the first thing is they put course blinders on. I know the idea. I know my target market. I know exactly what they need. And I'm going to continue working on this and I'll bring it to market when I'm ready. And those, those will implode, uh, guaranteed. And then the second thing is they want to do everything alone and, you know, again, not taking in others into the mix. Um, and then, and that, so, so you have to, you have to think about in the earliest days, those things. And the, the, the last thing I would say is you also have to be title agnostic. You know, you got to leave your ego at the door. Like some people just love to say, I'm a co-founder of a startup or I'm a entrepreneur, um, you know, but the bottom line is you, you've got to be able to, you know, if you're bringing in someone real senior or you bring in investment and they say we want to bring someone else in who's experienced or, or potentially even just adult supervision if you're a young team, like whatever it is, you've got to be open to these things. And I see so many are like, I'm not giving up that. I want to be C, president and CEO. I want this. I want that. Um, you know, today's day and age really requires you to be flexible and open. Uh, and then, then I think that'll open up the doors, you know, for, 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 for someone to want to hear you, hear your, uh, your pitch and, and show, show keen interest in potentially investing. Man, you just dropped a lot of nuggets on there. <laughs> <laughs> Team, right? Teamwork to make the dream work. And it goes back to the point of execution in terms of you can have the greatest product or idea, but if you don't have the team to execute, to grow and fulfill and drive, then then you're gonna sputter out, like you kind of said. Maybe crash over the moped, if you will. Um, <laughs> so you so you get some funding in, you're growing. Do you remember a moment during the narrative of the growth of, of Constant Contact where you kind of maybe either felt like you'd kind of made it, or there was this like linchpin or this kind of epiphany moment that you see in the movies where like like a deal happened and you just knew that it was going to be successful, you know, and then um, how would you, like, what would your advice be to someone who's just got some funding and what would your advice be on how they could maybe kind of replicate what you were able to execute? Yeah. So to unpack the question, there's a lot, there's a lot of places we can go here. Um, I think that, that there's, there's a couple of things to think about initially. Um, um, so, so, you know, we, we, you know, imagine that, that, you know, we were, we were on, uh, we were trying to raise the water level of small businesses with their marketing and, and, and grow their business through digital marketing. And um, I, I, I just want to say one, one gotcha that I see a lot before we sort of touch on that is that, that I, I like to call it the bicycle wheel syndrome. Uh, so if you had a bicycle wheel and every spoke on the wheel was another idea to help your target market, I, there's not a single startup, including Constant Contact and others, where we probably could have filled up every spoke with our ideas of what we want to do. And so, so you cannot succeed without doing finding the one core thing you're going to focus on. And if you have success in that, then that's going to drive um, uh, uh, feedback. It's going to drive customers, success stories, revenue. And then once that flywheel starts to go, which takes time, then, then it's going to give you revenue and revenue will let you hire people and not put the pressure completely on, uh, on investment. And by the way, if you start to show some revenue and you show some signs of, of where this is going, then, the, then they're going to say, okay, show us the path to how you're going to scale it. And the answer is not, well, we'll hire a hundred salespeople. You know, th there needs to be more behind that, which we can touch on. But, but so, so, you, so you, you figure out your one spoke, you put the rest on the shelf for now. Um, and then you, you know, you start to, you start to 
you know, kind of put the stake in the ground of what the focus is. Um, and so that has to be first and first and foremost, uh, because if you don't th- do that, you're just not going to get out of your own way. You're going to be diluted amongst too many things at once. And they've got too many challenges doing one, let alone many. Um, so, so I, I just want to set that as the stage because, because once you know that one core thing, it gets everyone a little bit more of a rally. It's a rally cry and a focus around that one thing to make sure it's going to sort of move forward in advance. Now, now imagine selling to small businesses when uh, today, today it's a lot easier. Um, we all know SaaS and cloud exists today. Well, it used to be called ASP. I'm going to date myself here, but application service providers. Then ASP turned to SaaS and now it's cloud. I don't know what it'll be called in two, you know, two more years. They'll call it something else, uh, super cloud or something. But the bottom line is that, that we, had to, we had to actually create something that got installed. It didn't even exist. And we were one of the first two applications on, the, on SaaS uh, for the IBM platform and got recognized for coming out with a SaaS offering where you build it once, you, you, um, you, know, you make changes to it once, but you rent or sell it to many. You know where they're paying you, you know, some sort of a fee on a monthly basis or annual basis, and so, so, so there's a lot of more things that make it easier for you to bring something out and and be able to to follow that model. So the challenges that we were facing, you know, one of those aha was SaaS came along kind of at the roughly two year mark, and and all of a sudden all of the partnerships and the people we were talking to were like, yeah, we can work with you now, because uh, they didn't have to go and deal with installing stuff in a like. ISPs and others, you know, that they're the third world computer room for other people's software, like that you just, no one goes in there and, and they'll get around to maybe uploading a new update if, uh, when they feel like it, you know, so now everything sort of changed the landscape. So what's, what's available today makes it easier for somebody to be able to go forward. You know, we were charging free for a trial and then, then it, I think it started, initially it was like 15 to $20 a month. So, so we weren't going to get very far, but, but the aha moment number one was that we, we had everything working through. We were able to tell somebody about it. They would sign up. They would open a free trial. They would move to a paid level. And, you know, of course, you, you know, then you double that and get two. Well, two at 20 bucks a month. You know, it's not going to put a lot of uh, coffee on the table. But the bottom line was that, that um, you know, just some of, the, some of the milestones were really around, just in that growth were around, bringing in some other senior talent uh, about the roughly 17, 18 months in, we brought in Gail Goodman who became our CEO and stayed our CEO right through, you know, and, and so just a rock star, you know, been there, done that. Uh, one, one investor that didn't invest in us had, had recommended or suggested we talk to her and, you know, it was just a perfect fit for someone, you know, get to come in. Again, we were title agnostic and we, if we get the best person in there, that's going to help us take that, you know, forward. And she, she started right in, rolled up her sleeves, and we closed that first round with her, you know, kind of shortly after arriving. And, and then it, you know, sort of went, went from there. So it's, so it's um, you know, some of the moments were less about the business growth, although it was really exciting. It was kind of the UPS uh, commercial, or if you want to get really date yourself, the I Love Lucy chocolate on the conveyor belt TV show. Right. Where, where it's like one piece, two pieces. The next thing you know, she's stuffing it in her hat. She's eating them. And, you know, so we had that experience where it was one customer went to five. And, and originally we had a foam core football field because it was in the fall and which I had you know, built on foam core and every yard was a customer. And so we started the football on four and with Velcro and then we moved it to five and to six and ringing a bell and celebrating. Got to 100, went back down and each each yard was 10. And we went up and each, then each yard was a hundred and we started, you know, we started to see that kind of growth and we celebrated 
you know, at every turn, eventually went on to digital screens around the company because it was a little hard to, you know, keep figuring out for the football, for, for the football analogy. But, you know, just we were able to see some of that, some of the flywheel moving takes time. Um, just one thing to be clear, we were 100% channels when we started. So we went through others to get to our target market to, for scale. Um, and we found out and amassed a whole group. So another aha was just from my background experience and kicking that off. And of course, bringing in other great people that were channel experts. We were able to start, get the first four customers and then get channel channels in place, which was 100% of how we got to our target market for a long time and stayed a major part of the business to when we exited, we had over 8,000 partners. Yeah. Man, that's a, that's a lot of great stuff. And I, I absolutely love, you know, every entrepreneur wants that hockey stick growth, right? But there's a lot of pitfalls that come with that hockey stick growth because most entrepreneurs that get started don't have your kind of background working in a large company. So they don't see or foresee the challenges that can come from the the customer service side, the, the service delivery piece, as I call it. And you guys, I think, were fortunate enough or prescient enough to realize that you needed somebody else to step in and help you with that growth. Because if you hadn't, you know, we, we can actually see businesses grow themselves into bankruptcy, right? And uh, no one really wants to do that. But, you know, I love the, the bicycle wheel syndrome and finding that one spoke that you guys can focus on. That That's huge and key. And I think every entrepreneur needs to really listen to that one because there's shiny object syndrome everywhere. We, we always want to do more, right? But we got to figure out that first spoke of the wheel first. Um, and then I really want you to speak, you know, there's there's investors that are listening to this podcast. They come and work with us and maybe they're a first time angel investor or they, they're thinking about becoming an angel investor and they don't understand valuation. They don't necessarily understand working with um, a startup team. How important is it from the investor standpoint, to have that mentality like you and your team did, which is the title agnostic and being willing to give, give up a portion of the company to get it to the next level. Yeah, so I hear this daily uh, talking to startups. Um, I mean, I talk to thousands a year, but, but I always hear, uh, first and foremost, there'd be, let's say there are three co-founders, right? And they all have co-founder title. I'm like, okay, well, who of you three will be CEO? And they're kind of looking around like, well, we're all going to be in charge and we're all going to like they, they can't even in the earliest days decide who's going to have CEO on their forehead, who's going to maybe be R&D on their forehead and who's going to maybe be COO or whatever or, or sales and marketing or like they can't even decide amongst themselves and, and assume it's just going to shake out. Well, what shakes out is a failure to, to succeed. Um, and so there's a lot of sort of pitfalls, I think, that, you know, we set ourselves up with um, out of the gate. So that's a, that's, that would be a big red flag for me. Like, I love that there are multiple, like, you know, I'm going to talk on the other side of the coin of it's great to have multiple folks that are, that are, you know, kind of wearing, wearing the responsibility of the company on their forehead. Uh, and, and maybe they're all co-founders, but what lane is each one in? And you cannot all be in the same lane. If you're all three engineers, well, guess what? One of you will be head of R&D. You know, we can't have co, three co-founder R&D heads. Like, it doesn't work that way. and so. So that that's the first thing. The second is without saying it, like if they're if they're willing to say that we're we're open to whatever it will take for us to succeed. If there's an openness to do that, then that means they'll bring in other people. They'll allow some folks to come over them and under them. I had one the other day say to me that 
well, I don't want anyone to come over me. Like I really, I'm okay if people come under me, but I really want to maintain my co-founder status. I'm like, you'll have that for life. You'll always have that for life. Now it may be only in, in, in this, in on LinkedIn, or it may be tied to a company that's successful. But if you're going to sit here and say out of the gate, you don't want to come anyone to come over you. You're setting yourself up for failure right now because you've never been a CEO before. You, you know, you've never, you've never uh, taken anything to exit. Like, it, you're gonna need to stay in your lane and find someone else who is, has the pedigree, the experience, or whatever it may be that will come in. And guess what? You're gonna have a board sitting over you <laughs> at some point. So there's always gotta be someone over you. Always gotta be somebody. Always is, right? And I wanna use the analogy, like I watch Shark Tank and uh, The Profit and all these shows where you know the, the investor is gonna come in kind of as the angel and be that saving grace for the company because they're floundering in one way, shape, or form or another. And they're not willing to give up a certain percentage of equity. And when when entrepreneurs come to us with that same sort of mentality, we say, well, do you want to be 100% owner of nothing or maybe a 30, 40, 50% owner of something that could be really big, you know, and and trying to get them to understand that, that they can still have the founder title. Like no one's going to take that away from them. No one's going to take the idea away from them, but we want to help you execute. We want to help you grow because if you don't bring on the help, it's going to be really challenging for you to get to that next level, yeah. especially. By and so, so around the, the equity piece of it and, you know, taking in money for in exchange for something. Uh, if you're no, if you want to run, if you want to grow a family run business, you know, put your kids through college and buy that at the boat in the, in the summer home and the whatever. Great. Just establish that, you know, and then just run for it. But if you truly want to uh, figure out how to accelerate the business, how to scale the business, how to move faster, um, you, you know, and not just have it on the, the organic growth of revenue and profit, then, then that's, you're taking an investment. And when you take an investment, you're trading that off for something. Now there's a lot of instruments today that, that people will, will, uh, have, you know, safes and, and convertible notes and other things besides just straight equity. Um, it is very hard early on to horse trade over valuation. I mean, the investor's always going to say you're worth, you're, you're worth way less than that. And they, and, and of course, you're going to be like, we're, we're, our value is so great. Look at us. We're so great. And, you know, there's got to be, you know, some real, it's got to be realistic on both sides. And you have to be able to set that and you have to be willing to give up ownership in exchange for that money. And you are in full control over what that potentially, what that valuation looks like and maybe what you're going to give up and trading off money for it by, by hitting milestones. So you you know you've got to you've got to move quickly to go get some get some initial customers get some initial feedback you know uh, potentially get get a little bit of revenue uh, if they could see things directional like I love to see directional okay you've proven it so they want this and they're saying that this is the best thing that we've had we don't we never had you know this something like this before to help our business again cut expense cut time increase revenue pick a camp or maybe you're in a few of them. Uh, and so, so, you know, if they could see it directionally, then you have to be able to tell the story of how you're going to scale it. Like when I ask the question of startups, I usually get one of those like, well, um, we're just going to hire a lot more people. That's like, okay, so I'm going to give you money. You're going to hire a lot of people. How's that? How's that? How are you scaling that? Like you start drilling in. There's just, they can't answer these questions. And if you're going to pitch something, even in the earliest days, I, I work with, I want to create the pitch of the 10 or 12 sort of regular slides, the normal sort of things you'd expect. And then there would be an appendix and all those other great slides you've created, toss them in the appendix and just make sure when they ask you a question, the answer is I have a slide for that. 
Like we have to anticipate what they're going to ask you and write it, make a slide for it. So it doesn't like it's, look like it's the first time you're answering the question and you better have a succinct answer. And, and if there's three co-founders, they're not all going to stand up there and speak. Who's your spokesperson and who are you pointing to to answer questions on sales, on R&D and what have you? Um, you know, we, we just get into these situations where the points of failure of someone going to get money, trying to, trying to look, look good, try to get a higher valuation and, and, and attract somebody to want to put money in at that evaluation, the, the failures are usually stuff that they have or haven't done. Well, one thing that I wanted to, to ask you about is, is obviously you had an exit with constant contact. And then obviously you, know, you could have just sat on your laurels and been like, Hey, like I've had my exit. Right. And everybody kind of has a story where they ride the, the one exit pony, let's call it. And they ride that into the sunset for as long as they can. And what I love about your narrative, Alec, is that you've had multiple exits and you've continued to, to, to progress in terms of how you're helping and serving the greater world. So today, like as you know, you're doing a lot of investing and you're helping mentoring with a lot of startups. Um, what would you say has kind of driven you to want to continue to, to multiple exits? And then, you know, cause some people can say, Hey, you were, you were just the right place at the right time, Alec. Like you just kind of got into this whirlwind and you got a little bit lucky. Uh, luck doesn't repeat itself multiple times over and over and over. What would you say has been an inherent ingredient to your success on having multiple exits and, and, sure. and leading to becoming a successful investor? Yeah. So the first thing is, uh, yeah, you know, Everyone wants to talk about luck. You know, there's always luck. And I see it as that the opportunity was aligned at the time. Like for me, um, my motto is a no means not now. So if I took all the no's we heard early on, uh, you know, we would have just folded up and gone home. Take our take our ball, ball and glove and go home. Like we wouldn't have continued because those no's can be defeating. But I don't hear it as a no. It's just it's not right now. Like It's not we will cultivate that relationship. And a lot of people I came around with that for strategic partnerships, customers, you know, strategic mentors, investors, investors where they, they came back around, you know, later as we cultivated things. And they said then it became a better time, you know, where you're aligned for, for where it's time to do something together. And so so the no mean no uh, uh, means not now started with me when I was young. Like if I wanted on a hot day ice cream, I'd go ask for ice cream and my mother would say no. I would do chores or do whatever it took. And by the end of that day, I got ice cream. Like, I just knew that, like, I didn't hear no. I never heard it. Um, and it did it. I, I think that my it kids did. have that same mentality. I think they must have taken a page out of your book. They won't <laughs> learn about it. <laughs> and listen, you got to work. You got to work it. And so, so, so it's easy for us to take the no and defeat. And so I would just say, you know, that there's uh, maybe luck and timing where when you walk into that investor, they're like, they just raised a fund. They're looking for their new investments. You know, you've qualified that the, that the partner you're meeting with invest in things like you, complementary to what you do, and all of a sudden it's like this couldn't have been a, like a more of a perfect storm of opportunity where like now they're just going to write you that check and off you go. Like the, the, there's so many obstacles and so many things that come in your way, and you can't let any of the obstacles or the or those no's defeat you or, or or slow you down or stop you. And so so it's really important to to as you're as you're you know, as you're doing that, that you, uh, you know, that you continue, continue down that road for, for me in terms of like, um, you know, why am I doing it over and over and over? I did, you know, retire for six months, uh, uh roughly give or take and started working on a bunch of other things and co-founded a bunch of things. And so I wasn't really retiring. I just, I, 
I just know there's so many opportunities to take existing markets that are large, uh, that haven't been disrupted in a long time, and there's opportunity. And so I'm working with a couple of different teams on diff different approaches to manufacturing products in one case, to tech in another case, and then uh, with regard to just other commercial real estate and some other you know interesting twists to, to some businesses, hemp and cannabis and all kinds of different things. So it's finding other people to team with to to go tackle something because I'm not going to sit there and learn how to be an organic natural farmer to then uh, do help with no, no regular farming or you know ca cannabis and hemp. I'm going to work with somebody who's an expert in that and then find ways that we can sort of work work together to to, group, to make a business out of it which we're, which we're doing and similarly on manufactured products where I've you know created a work to create you know medical device consumer product b2b product you know with with a team of eight incredible engineers with two other co-founders that are have the pedigree of a lot of patents who have been there and done that and can take something from an idea all the way through to to the actual prototype and manufactured and even automated assembly of a product. Like not just take an idea and 3D print it and show it to somebody, like truly make it out of metals or plastic or whatever's needed. And, um, and so, so aligning, you know, sort of for me, it's aligning myself with folks in areas I'm interested in and, and I don't have an expertise in any of those. You know, I'm not, not, not uh, the first one to know anything about manufacturing. I've learned a lot just, you know, teaming with incredible people to do so. So I'm staying in my lane. Where I can take once something is you know I can hold it I can bring it to market I can figure out brand it name it market it you know message it and and build the channels around it uh, and then spin that up and then put a team on it and kind of move on to the next to the next one and be there you know to advise and consult so so for me it's exciting to do that and the other thing is half my time I'm going around the world you know paying it forward and speaking and and trying to raise the water level of startups and entrepreneurs to to talk, talk about anything they want to talk about. So I'll get on stage to speak uh, with my, some of my topics, popular topics uh, and presentations, but I'll also fireside chat, Q and A's, round tables, whatever, whatever they want to, to just help, help others just from the learnings from, from all that, that I have ex experienced so far. I love it. I love it. All right. Um, so you have a lot of information that you've given and a lot of great uh, key insights. So I have, Two last little questions. Uh, the first one is, I love to find out, you know, you, you are America's startup expert. You have been doing this. You've started companies, several. You've been very successful doing that. But I'm assuming, I'm guessing, at some point along the way, you ran into a little bit of a challenge. And there's probably some challenges out there that are uh, more painful than others. I'm not going to ask you to reveal any of your most embarrassing ones, but what was your, your favorite challenge or failure and when I say favorite, I mean the one that maybe you learned the most from, you can look back and maybe laugh at now. And then second, um, before we wrap it all up, you, you have these pillars of startup success that I'd love for you to share how people can maybe learn a little bit more about those and, and find out about that. Sure. Yeah. So first, um, as it relates to challenges or obstacles, this is something I spend a lot of time on with startups, but show of hands in a room, I'll ask how many people have something that you know weighs on them. They wake up in the morning, they go into their office, they take a clean piece of paper, they write the obstacle down, they put a little square box on the left of it, and hope by the end of the day they check it and knock it off, right? And then they don't because they get busy and do a lot of things, and it's there the next day and the next day. And so this starts to weigh on you. And I would say one of the points of failure for a lot of uh, startups is the ability to handle those obstacles and challenges and knock them down. 
And so what I would say is that you've got to just stop and don't dedicate time to go, go seek counsel from those that have had the obstacle before, because you're not, you're not the only one who, who successfully knocked it down, who didn't knock, uh, who uh, failed at knocking it down. Can you break it down into smaller pieces and chunk chunks and break those down and eventually get rid of the obstacle? Cause you need to have the muscle memory to deal with that. Cause guess what? Behind that obstacle is a bigger one. And then you knock that one down and guess what? Behind that one is a bigger one. So they don't stop, they grow. And so, so if you have the muscle memory and, the, and you figure out how to do that, you will not just plateau and freeze wherever you are with that obstacle or want to you know, throw the towel in and go home. You are going to want to, you're going to get the, the, the rhythm down to figure out how to knock them down because they're, they're everywhere. And, 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 and those obstacles and challenges come simply in just the normal course of the growth of a business. They also come in scale. They also come in times, the economic times. And there's all these factors that kick in where someone could just want to quit. And so, so if you're in this for the long haul, you have to figure that out. And, and, and so I deal with everything with humor. And sometimes it's not great to get people laughing at a funeral. But I try to, I try to get people to look at the, the, you know, the, the, the positive side of somebody and those, those happy and fun moments. And it usually leads to a great conversation about just how great that person was that unfortunately just passed. But, but in everything in life, I find humor in it because, because they get the endorphins going, get everyone sort of laughing about something like, I mean, these are things like, you know, we're not going to make payroll this week. Like, you know, in the earliest days, how are we pay and those few people we hire, they have families, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we've just, I'm like, I'll go, I'll go down the, you know, good, I'll go down with what I know best. I'll knock on doors and try to cut their lawn or, or wash and wax their car and <laughs> like whatever it takes, we're going to figure it out. But, you know, and then we'd laugh it off and then we'd find a solution to it. We talked to you know, our advisors and mentors and we'd solve it. And so I had many, I mean, not, not once calling out any bigger or funnier or, or um, you know, as interesting as that there were many and they were frequent. So, so I'd say, yes, you got to sort of do that. Uh, to answer your second point or comment was, um, so I have these pillars to achieving success. And so I'll, I have a workbook that, so if you take out your phone and you go to pillars, uh, all capitalized P-I-L-L-A-R-S, pillars, and you text that to the number 59925. So pillars, all capitalized P-I-L-L-A-R-S, to 59925. Uh, you just give your name and email and it'll get to a, to a landing page where there's, uh, there's a fun, fun sort of walk on video for me. There's a, there's the link to a pillars short workbook. And then you also, there's a survey you can give me feedback, you know, on the talk and gee, I came here expecting to hear something I didn't hear or, uh, you know, liked what you said about X or Y, or I, this happened to me, whatever you want to put in there, I you know, always welcome feedback's a gift. Um, and then you can also visit my website which is www.alecspeaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, alecspeaks.com. And so that, that, there you can connect with me on all the social channels and stuff like that. Awesome, Alec. Thank you so much. I mean, I am going to say you did sidestep the, uh, the the giving us a challenge or, or something. So I'm going to get back to you at some point. I'll find out one. Right. We'll, we'll have to figure right. that out. But nonetheless, you know, great information. I really do appreciate that. Really appreciate your time. Iraq, any, any last thoughts or comments before we wrap up here? No, I just really love the wisdom that you shared today, especially with just basically focusing on how to deconstruct challenges into smaller surmountable steps that help you ascend the summit to be able to ready to ascend the next one with your muscle memory. 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad to give you the more specific answers. Uh. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely do another episode. I'm sure, you know, I love working with you. Alec. I love talking with you. I love hearing you speak. So this has been just a, an incredible treat for me. Again, my name is Jeff Barnes, CEO of Angel Investors Network with the Angels Exits and Acquisitions podcast. I want to thank my guest, Alex Stern, my co-host, Erock, for uh, being here today. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. All right. You guys have yourself a great time. And until next episode, you guys get out there and keep kicking butt. Take care. You've been listening to Angels Exits and Acquisitions with your host, Jeff Barnes, brought to you by the Angel Investors Network. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Go to www.angelnetwork.com for tools, resources, show notes, and more, as well as our free training on how to become a successful angel investor and entrepreneur.